Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Man, thankful, thankful, thankful for our worship team. You guys thankful for our worship team? So cool. You know, some of you guys don't know this, but in 2005, my wife and I launched out of uh, Waco, Texas with a dream in our heart to plant a church in Seattle, Washington. And um, we got to be a part of just an incredible journey of seeing God birth something literally out of nothing. But when we went, we had a small team, and I was the worship leader. I was the head setup guy. I was the preacher. I was like everything. And um, it was a needed season, and I'm actually super thankful for it. And I look back upon those days just absolutely with fondness in my heart because they were a formative time. You know, it was good for me to be in the mix of everything. It was good to kind of feel um, all the different elements and aspects of seeing church happen. But something that was very clear to us when God began to drop this dream in our heart to see a church planted here in Austin is that we did not want to redo what we did. That we wanted to launch into the city with the team that was going to come alongside us to be able to see a kingdom movement happen out of this local church. And, and so we started praying and believing into that dream. And we were like, God, we don't just want to come together and sing songs. We want to have a, a gathering place for songwriters, a gathering p- place for musicians to be able to come and to create anthems and sounds that are going to change the world. And, and so that was the dream. That, that was the dream in our hearts. Whenever we said, God, we, we want to do this Austin thing, we were like, okay, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it, right? Let's believe that what's going to come out of this place is going to shake the very nations of the earth with the power and the purpose of Jesus. And so we launched here with a smaller team than when we launched to Seattle. So we were aware that sometimes your dream, it needs some time to develop. Right? And, and there's, no, there's nothing to despise in small beginnings. Have you guys ever heard that scripture? Right? That, that you need to rejoice in them. You need to love the days of small beginnings. But we had no idea, no idea that within a couple of months of being here, that God was going to give us some of the most gifted worship leaders, songwriters, musicians uh, that I've ever been around. Seriously, no exaggeration. In the 13 years I've done ministry, These guys are the real thing. And and I just want to honor them because they work so hard so that we can enter in so fast. Come on, better than that. And it's just a privilege to be able to come up to share the word of God on the back end of the atmosphere that they've set. And and really what, what we experience when we, when we enter into worship is really the fact that they live lives of worship. And, and that's why it feels the way that it does in this room when they sing. Have you noticed, have you ever tried to lead worship? It doesn't feel the same way, right? I know it doesn't, I know for dang sure when I lead worship, it doesn't feel like when they lead worship, right? And it's because worship lives in them in such a way and they're gifted and anointed to lead out for us so that we can come in behind them and experience the bigness and the, the glory of God. And so I just want to give a special thanks to Ty and Caleb and Hannah, uh, just the whole team um, for leading out and, and making a way. 
If you see him before church next week or after church this week, give him a good church hug, all right? Just love on him good. Hold him for a little bit too long, right? And just squeeze him, maybe a kiss on the cheek. We're starting a new series this week. Are you ready? Say yeah. Uh, We're going to talk about communication. Uh, How many of you have ever wanted to communicate better? Okay, that's about everybody. The rest of you are liars. Truth is, communication is in the middle of every issue we have in life. Can we all agree on that? You got a marriage problem, you got a communication problem, right? You got, a, you got a problem at work, you got a communication problem. Communication is in the middle of every single issue I could come up with. At the end of the day, something has been miscommunicated, not communicated, or poorly communicated, and it creates problems, right? Communication is hard. You look up communication in the dictionary, it sounds easy, right? It's the exchange of information. That sounds like it should be like not hard. Why is it so hard? It's because everything speaks. Everything speaks, right? My wife has a look. No words. The look has a definition. Do you know people that have look? Like they said nothing, but you know that you should say nothing else. Right? The look said a lot, right? I mean, everything speaks our mannerisms, how we sit in chair. We're reading so much, so much more than just the words that we're saying is the information that we're hearing. And so communication becomes extremely complicated. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to enter into a series of talks that we're calling Speak. And our whole goal in this series is for us collectively as a community to begin to understand some biblical truths that are going to help us become better communicators. Because I think that God wants us to be able to get along. Amen? He wants your marriage to thrive. He wants you to thrive in your place of leadership at work. He wants you to thrive with your roommates. And I think that if we can learn how to communicate, if we can learn the biblical principles around communication, that it's going to help us take a step in the right direction as we are learning to become more like Jesus. Amen? So here we go. Today we're going to talk about the power of our words. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue, life or death, is in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death in the power of the tongue. How many of you as kids were told things that you have come to find out as an adult were not true? I have. My grandpa, we called him caw-caw. You can laugh. Go ahead, judge me. That's fine. He was a good man. Nobody knows where the name came from. None of the grandkids will claim naming him Caw-Caw, but that was his name, Caw-Caw, good man, good Cajun man, good Cajun Italian, a lot of volume, a lot of emotion, a lot of communication. Caw-Caw was a good man. Caw-Caw told me one day when we were on a walk around his house that if you poured salt on a bird's back, the bird couldn't fly. Here's the deal. I was a young boy, innocent, trusted my elders. I didn't know that was a lie. I didn't know my grandpa was a liar. I tried. I believed it. I, I, didn't, I, had no, I had no reason to not believe it. I totally believed it. He said, you pour salt on the bird, bird can't fly. I'm like, let's do it. Let's get some salt. You know, I didn't know until college 
Hold up, this really happened. I'm sitting around with my roommates. You want to feel stupid? Sit with your roommates and say some stuff you were told as a child. And we're just talking, and somehow I don't even remember how we're talking about birds. Somehow we're talking about birds, and in the conversation, I just, you know, let's just get some salt. My roommate's like, what? Get salt? I'm like, yeah, dude, just put some salt on the bird. Can't fly. You didn't know that? Bro, my roommates looked at me like, for real? Who told you that? I'm like, my call call. They're like, your call call is stupid, bro. That's a lie. You put a bird on the bird's back, it's going to fly. First of all, you can't even catch a bird to put salt on the bird. If you did, it would just fly away and knock the salt off that you, you put no salt on no bird and it can't fly. It created a reality for me that I came to find to be untrue. It was something that was told to me that I ended up believing, and it shaped how I saw the world. How many of you have heard this one? I think we all have been told this one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but biggest lie in the world. Biggest lie in the earth. Man, I can tell you some memories of when I've been injured in life. I can tell you some stories. But, man, if I tell you some of the hurtful things that have been said about me throughout my life, I might, I might start crying. There's still emotion. I mean, what is it about words that seems to travel through history, that we, we can rehearse in our mind over and over and over again things that were said about us, maybe one comment that was said about you when you were 10 years old. You could recite it, feel it, remember what they were wearing, you were wearing, and you were living your whole life through that lens because something was said to you. Words hurt. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I think that this whole concept that our parents used to tell us to make us feel better about being made fun of. Like, oh, they're just talking. They're not hurting you. Sticks and stones, they will hurt you. Words, let them roll off your back. I think that is the lie that has perpetuated a belief system that el eliminates our ability to understand that words have always been creating the atmosphere that we're living in. We don't believe that words have power because we were told that they didn't hurt us. We were, they were, we were told they didn't matter. Words have always created reality. You ever read the creation story in Genesis 1? It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And check out verse 3. Can you say it with me? And God said. You didn't say it with me. Power words here. Can we give it another shot? Can you say that part with me? If you're new to this church, it's participatory time, okay? Here we go. And God said, all right, now I'm going to read the next part. So y'all just chill out. I know you're excited now. Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And called, God called the light day, and he called the, the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first 
day. Now, if we were to continue to read this story, you would see a succession of, and God said, and what he said then was created. Have you ever thought about the fact? Like, why did God have to say anything? Like, why in the world did God, he was God, he could have waved his hand, could have breathed, could have thought it, could have dreamed it. He was God. He could do anything. Why did he have to say anything for things to be created? Like, why, why did, were there, was there darkness until he said light? Why, why was the earth formless until he spoke form into it? I think it's bigger. There's a bigger theme to the creation story than just the fact that the world was created. I think the bigger theme that we can glean from the creation story is that every time we say something, something is created. Every time we say something, something is created. Words have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Every time we say something, something was created. I mean, look at the reality that God created for Adam and Eve. The first two human beings that were created from the mouth of God, right, they walked around in an environment that God said in Genesis 131 was very good. Everything was perfect. They were perfect. Like, their, their, the creation was perfect. It was perfect. It was a good place. Why was it a good place? Because God said good things. And good things then came forth from his mouth because words always create. Words have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So here's what I want us to remember today. Here's our little phrase that I hope you write down on your journal. It is this, what you say creates today. So be careful with what you say. I'm going to say it one more time. What you say creates today. So be careful with what you say. Do you need it one more time? Can you say it with me this time? We didn't put it on the screen, but I have faith. What you say creates today, so be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you say. It's amazing how hard it is to be careful with what we say. I, I love how James 3 puts it, James 3 verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault with what he says is perfect. How many of you have seen that to be true? Like, if, you're, if you can say nothing wrong, then you're Jesus. Right? I mean, it's like, you're, you're perfect. Like, we're all going to stumble. In verse 3, it continues on. It says that when you put a bit in the mouth of a horse, you make it obey you. Right? You turn the whole animal. Verse 4. Or take ships, for example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Our words have massive power. 
What we say has massive power, power to create and power to destroy, power to bring life and power to bring death. So we need to stop saying things we don't mean. Can I say that again? We need to stop saying things that we don't mean. We, we need to stop creating an atmosphere with our words that we're living in that we then want to be free from. Come on, somebody. I think it's time that we begin to understand that we don't have to despise the atmosphere of our home. We need to take responsibility that we're creating the atmosphere in our home. Your words create something. When you speak, something comes on the back end of that. When you say something, maybe it's a response. Maybe it's a feeling. I mean, this is easy to see in other people. Come on now. Let's get real here. How many of you ever seen somebody else be in a fight? You ever walked up on somebody in an argument? You walked up on your friends. You thought that they were just alone talking. You realize they're about to bite each other's heads off. You kind of walk up and be like, hey, whoa. It's easy to see that words create an atmosphere that we don't want when we're looking at somebody else's conversation. And you're like, well, dude, you listen to what they say, and you're like, man, well, no wonder y'all are struggling, man. Look at how you're talking to her, dude. Well, no wonder your kids don't respect you, man. Look how you talk to them. But no wonder this is happening. I mean, look at the tone you're setting with your words. And then we go home. And we're glad that they didn't follow us. Because we, we end up doing the very same thing. Right? We need to understand that our words are creating an atmosphere that we're living in. What we say is creating today. What, what you speak is literally affecting the people around you. It's affecting your kids. I, I felt this this week, unfortunately. I had a terrible Valentine's Day. Can I just keep it 100 with you? I had a terrible Valentine's Day. It started bad. Liz and I got in an argument over cookies. Don't judge us, but it was real. All right, the cookies blew us up. All right, I mean, over a little box of cookies, 7 a.m., it was all downhill from 7 a.m. over a box of stupid cookies, man. It was it was terrible day. For some reason, I just got so frustrated, man. You ever just been gotten frustrated? You don't even know why you're frustrated. You're just frustrated, just kind of walking around just like, yeah, you know, just kind of wanting to slap somebody. You just say, I don't even know what's going on. The only thing I could, be like, the only thing I could blame was the cookies. I'm like, this, but this is stupid. Then you start feeling stupid that you're frustrated about something stupid. And it just kind of perpetuates the frustration. Anybody else had a day like that, right? Okay. A couple of us honest, real people, okay? Real people come to this church. So here's the thing. I'm frustrated on Valentine's Day. I'm so frustrated. But I know because I've been studying, unfortunately, when God gives you an opportunity to, like, study stuff in the Bible. And so I know my words are creating. I'm like, dang it. And so I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, right? But then my kids... You know that my kids are having a day too. So I'm like cookies, frustrated. Valentine's Day, supposed to be romantic. 
No romance, frustration, man. I'm and then my my son wants to be talking to me about how I cut his hair wrong. And I'm like, dude, I'm about to just, you better run. You better, look, your mother ain't here right now. Okay, I will blame your sister. You better run. And I saw... On his face, the atmosphere that my words created. All of a sudden, I was like, that's not who I want to be. This is not the home I want to build. This isn't the atmosphere that I want to create in my home. And I had to go to him and be like, buddy, I'm sorry, man. Dad is frustrated right now. I said things to you that I did not mean, and it affected you, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he was like, yeah, Dad, I, I forgive you, you know, and gave me a hug and, you know, a Tate hug, which is kind of this weird, like, head thing. Still working on how to hug. Like, it's not hard, bro. You know, <laughs> it's not tough. Like, give me a hug. He's like, like, what's on the floor? My words created an atmosphere. It set the tone for his world. You know what I saw in his eyes? I saw he's now insecure because of my frustration. When we speak, things are created. Your words create today. So be careful with what you say. This is massive. If we want to be people that really are believing for transformation in our city, it's going to start with how we talk. I'm tired of the church yelling and saying nothing. Tired of it. It was not our identity, never supposed to be, never supposed to be the, the, the loud people in the corner hollering everybody. We're supposed to be the life atmosphere bringers with our voice. We're supposed to go into darkness and say light. We're not supposed to go in there and say, y'all are all in darkness, bunch of darkness up in here. Why y'all acting dark? Why y'all being so dark over here? Darkness is over here. No, that's not what you're supposed to do, but that's what we do. Why do we do that? We're supposed to walk in the darkness and say, light, life. Doesn't have to be death. That can be life here. Doesn't have to be, you don't have to feel alone. There's hope for you. And Jesus talked about this. It's amazing. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 12. I was reading this this morning. I was like, oh, my gosh, God, this is unbelievable. It says this in, I don't have it. thought I did. Do I look good from the back? You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? From the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The heart speaks, or the mouth speaks, what the heart is full of. 
You know why I think we holler? Is because we consume more of what the world has to offer than who Jesus is. And so you will always say what you hear. You will always say what you hear. Look, I love studying human interaction. I think it's super cool. One of the most blowaways is people begin to talk the same when they hang out with each other. Have you noticed this? You can join like a little group of friends, and they might say like, kaboom, every time something bad happens. You could be annoyed by it, hate it, judge them for saying it. You keep hanging out with them, something bad happens, you will say, kaboom, because you will say what you hear. It's because from what is in you, what your heart is full of, the mouth speaks. So if we want to be a people that begin to speak life and not death, then we need to change what we consume. We have a consumption problem. There was a study done by the University of California in San Diego that said that the average adult consumes 105,000 words a day. That between the internet, emails, social media, videos, and pictures, that if the data was quantified, it would be that the average human consumes 34 gigabytes of information every single day. How much of that 34 gigabytes of consumption is hope-filled, Jesus-glorifying information? I think we don't have a word problem. We have a consumption problem. If out of the heart the mouth speaks, if I'm saying things that are creating an atmosphere that are not what I want, it's not how I want to live, it's not the person I want to be, then I don't just need to discipline my tongue. I need to consume Jesus. I need to consume the word of God. I need to consume worship. I I might need to in my car not listen to the queen bee and listen to Jesus' culture. One fan, two fans, three fans. Late adopters over here. Appreciate you. I see you. We're consuming stuff that then we're speaking that are killing us. We're living in atmospheres that we despise because we are saying what we're filling our hearts with. You see the brokenness? It's not just about holding your tongue, although, yes, discipline yourself. Don't say everything you think. Don't say what you feel until you know what you feel. Even if you know what you feel, you might not need to say it. You might need to deal with it. But don't think that just discipline alone is going to steer the ship. Consumption is going to steer the ship. When you're filling your mind with the glory of God, when when you're like, you know what? The soundtrack of our home is going to be worship music. Then what's the atmosphere in your home going to be? Worship. 
right? If, you, if you're driving from one place to another place and you feel the, the heaviness of your day, the weight of what's going on in your finances, the weight of a difficult situation going on in your office, we might need to consume Jesus so that when we get in that moment, we can out of our heart speak because we will create something when we say anything. You will create something when you say anything. Your words create today. So be careful what you say. Ephesians 3 says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in his spirit through your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. It is time for us to rise up in the full measure of the power of the God that we serve and to begin to declare the hope of his calling, the hope of his coming, and not allow ourselves to be beaten down by the voices that are coming at us. We have not lost our voice as a church. We have found our voice in Jesus. You can find hope in the life and the truth that is in this book. If you don't have anything to say, start by reading the Bible and just say that. You get in an argument, you frustrated, be like, I'm not going to use my words. I'm going to respond to you with the Bible. That's going to shut the argument down quick, mostly because it's going to reveal that you're probably the problem. It's time for us to own the fact that our words create atmosphere. So don't walk into any place and be subjected to what you've created if it's not good. Change it. Change it. Change what you say. You hate your office environment? Change what you say. Go in there. Don't, don't speak the negativity. Bring some truth. Bring some hope. Play some worship music in your cubicle. Begin to declare truth. You might need to show up early before anybody's there. Take a couple of scriptures and say, you know, I'm going to walk around a couple times. I'm going to declare the hope and life of Jesus in this place. I'm going to take over the atmosphere, and people are going to walk in and be like, yo, it feels different up in here. Yeah, it's because the atmosphere is different because I changed what I said. And everything that I say, something is created. You might need to not just go, gosh, man, I'm so frustrated in my marriage. I feel like nothing can go right. We cannot communicate. You might need to start communicating with Jesus. Open up this line of communication first. Start talking in this communication first. And then you're going to begin to speak out of the overflow of your heart. And you will have the grace that he's demonstrated to you flowing out of you. Don't think you've got a broke down communication this way. You probably have a broke down communication this way. What we say creates today. So be careful what you say. Can we stand to our feet? We love to respond. We love to not just be people who hear the word of God, but to be people who declare the word of God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to launch into this worship song, but we're going to launch in understanding that everything that we say is created the atmosphere that we're living in. So when we
time, hallelujah, we're going to declare the truth of the living God and see the atmosphere in this place change and see the atmosphere in your home change. And 